Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome into the house of the Lord. We're glad that you're here. It's great to see you this morning. And we're here to praise the Lord. I I hope that's why you came, and we're going to enter into His presence now. So let's uh, do it in song. We'll, uh, if you will stand, we'll sing it a hymn of praise. Evangelical Free Church. We're excited that you're here. My name is Ian. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. A um, couple of quick announcements. Um, we have a lakeside service coming, well, not lakeside service, it was a lakeside service, now it's a baptism and church picnic coming up on August 15th. So we'll have a service here that Sunday morning, but then afterwards you can go to Maple Lake and there will be uh, food and Bring a long chair, bring a friend. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, If you are interested in baptism, please reach out to Pastor Tim. Um, Today is Communion Sunday. If you did not grab your communion on the way in, it's on the back table. I just wanted to remind you of that. Um, All of it is gluten-free, so if that's a concern, um, that is already covered. Um, If you are new or visiting, we would love to connect with you. Right in front of you, in the chair in front of you, there is a sheet that's a new person connect card, but it's also a prayer request sheet. You can fill that out and put it in the boxes that are at the back, 
And um, if you also want to give an offering, that is back there as well. If you are new or visiting, we want this sermon to be a gift to you. This is not, um, we're not looking for your money. Um, but if you want to give, that's where you can do that. Would you pray with me? Dear Father God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this time that we have to gather in your name together as the body of Christ, Lord. We look outside and we see the rain, and we think of the storms that have come through in the last couple of weeks, and we thank you for the, the safety and provision that you've given us, Lord. We also thank you for the power and majesty that is displayed through nature, Lord. The thunder and lightning, um, we know that you are a powerful God, and we praise you as the powerful God. Help us today to worship you well, Lord. Help us to worship you as that God, but also as our Lord and Savior. We pray for those in our congregation that are um, in need of healing. We think of Terry, who is uh, who has been in the ER. We pray that you would um, just give the doctor's wisdom, and we thank you that he is still doing well. We pray for um, others in our congregation, or in, on, in this world, honestly, who have um, gotten COVID and are struggling. We pray that you would bless them, heal them, give them comfort, and um, make your presence known there. We ask your blessing on the rest of our time together, Lord. Help us to worship you well and also to fellowship well. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So I wanted to uh, do something before we start again, and that is to uh, let you know who's in the front. Many of you are visitors or you're new here and you might not know. My name is Eric, Eric Gustafson, and I'll be worship leader this morning. We also have Carly and Jess Weavers. And a new face is Kiara. She's joining us uh, on the keyboard, and we're glad to have her. So we're glad that you're here worshiping with us, and we count it a privilege to be leading you into the Lord's presence. If you remember two weeks ago, I introduced a new song, Hymn of Heaven, and I used the imagery of being in a stadium, like a football stadium or baseball or a basketball arena, where there's a crowd, and every time where there's a big play, there's a big roar that goes up and that vibration and that feeling. That's the imagery behind this song. And, uh, and this song is going to go up with all the other songs that are being sung in churches around the world this morning, joining with the crowd that's in heaven singing. And so to help us get into that mood and see that picture, let's read responsively from Revelations to get that picture and then we'll sing. So if you would stand now, let's read responsively. After this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne of God and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshipped God. They sang, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor 
and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen.
seated. Thank you, Eric, and the worship team. That was great. So, um, Pastor Tim's taking a few days off, so I get to stand in for him today. So, um, we are talking about Luke again. We are in Luke 9, and we're delving into a section that deals with a miracle that I'm sure many of you have heard of, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. Um, when I was starting reading this passage and thinking about it and, and mulling it over, the idea of being satisfied with food came up over and over again. So I started reading into it because I knew that I had to try and one-up Pastor Tim's cold openings that are just real good. Which, So I went into a, a rabbit hole on the Saiyadi Index. I don't know how many of you have heard of this. It's a, uh, it's a study that came out in 1995, and it's an index on food that fills you up. Okay, and specifically they were looking at like weight loss and weight gain and what foods can stave off hunger the longest. So for this study, they made a scale with white bread being kind of the, the baseline at 100, which I don't know about you, but a piece of white bread has never filled me up 100%. But anyway, so white bread as 100. Now, the top food in that study was a boiled potato, which I don't know about you, but eating a boiled potato, I don't think I've ever been fully satisfied with a meal if it was just one boiled potato. And the bottom of that study was a croissant at 17, all right? The boiled potato was at 323 compared to the white bread at being 100. I know this all sounds very interesting and not boring at all, right? But um, I, I know also that all of you are going to go home and you're going to eat a croissant and wait a couple hours and then you're going to eat a boiled potato and you're going to see which one fills you up. Like, that's what I'm going to do. But, no, no, why I brought that up is because... Um, I don't think eating a boiled potato, one boiled potato, has ever satisfied anyone ever, period. This, this idea of satisfaction comes up because at the end of this passage, it says that everyone was fed and there was leftovers and they were satisfied. I want you to think about that as we jump into this passage. So we are in Luke chapter 9. You can turn to it in your... On Pew Bibles, if you want to, it'll also be on the screen. We're going to be in verses 10 through 17. All right. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. So... The background of this passage, Jesus had sent the apostles out on kind of a like, short-term missions trip. They were supposed to go out, and they were supposed to not take a walking stick, not take extra clothing, not take extra money, not take extra food. And as they went, they were supposed to proclaim the coming kingdom of God and perform miracles in Jesus' name. So they come back. And Jesus kind of takes them out of, they're still in Galilee, but he kind of takes them out of the major urban areas, and he's talking to them, or he wants to talk to them about what they did, right? Kind of a little bit of a debrief. But he doesn't necessarily get to do that. We'll we'll continue. Verse 11. 
But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. So the disciples come to Jesus. They say, hey, there's all these people here. We don't have food for them. We don't have a place for them to stay. You need to send them away and give them food. And part of this is like kind of a responsibility thing. Jesus is a rabbi. These people are coming to see him. So on one level, in the culture of um, ancient Middle Eastern uh, Israel, Jesus was semi-responsible to give them some kind of hospitality. But the reality is Bethsaida was this tiny town. There were not tons of inns. There wasn't tons of food. So now the disciples are like, wait, wait, wait. We've got all these people here. We, we need to do something about it. So verse 13, Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these, this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. So it says about 5,000 men were there. That word men, if you take it in the Greek, it literally just is talking about males. Okay? So this crowd is probably not just men. This is probably a group of 12 to 15,000 people, right? If you include women and children, it's, it's a big group. And, um, and they only have five loaves of bread and two fish. But he said to his disciples, have them sit in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. So you've got this crowd. No food. There's just five loaves, two fish. Notice that there's no little boy, right? Every time that you have this Sunday school story, I want you to imagine the flannel graph. You can see it, right? And so you got the flannel graph right here, and you see the little boy who's, like, just as cute as could be, right? And he's offering up these five loaves and these two fish. Notice that there's no, there's no boy here. And you ask the question, well, why is that? So this is one of the only miracles that shows up in every single gospel. Okay, it's in all four of them. And Luke is making a very specific point that we're going to get to later. But that's why that little boy is not there. Um, he's trying to show... Number one, that Jesus is the authority. Um, but number two, he's also trying to make a statement about what is happening here. Um, notice how he breaks the bread. He thanks God for it and distributes it. So the question comes, how did Jesus do it? Right? When I was a kid, I used to love watching History Channel. Um, especially we go to my grandparents who watch the History Channel, and I know it's weird for a kid. I didn't watch a lot of cartoons, but History Channel was good. And um, there, there used to be, like, these kind of, like, mini-marathons on the History Channel, and, like, they would do, like... I always wanted, like, the cool, like, 
war documentaries or something cool like that. But it always ended up being like these weird documentaries on like ancient aliens, right? And so you'd watch and it's like, oh, and this pyramid, obviously the aliens were here, right? But there was also these like Bible documentaries and they would go through major passages in the Bible and they'd be like, well, this is, this is how, this is how this happened. I remember one was like Moses turning the Nile red with blood, and they're like, well, there's this very specific algae that blooms one time a year, and Moses knew it was happening, and boom, right? And I, I don't know who writes those things, whether it's a Christian organization or not, I would assume not at all, but I always had a hard time with it, because did that ever help convince anyone of the fact that Jesus was a reality? And I would say those, those never did, because it always explained away the fact that God does miracles, so there are lots of different opinions of how Jesus did this. Um, one of my favorites is that Jesus breaks the bread and blesses it, and he inspires a group of ladies that are there, because notice how the ladies are not mentioned, and the ladies just start cooking and feeds everyone. Um, the other one is that just the crowd gets inspired and everyone shares out what they had, but as they've already stated, no one, no one had anything. So I think both of those are just completely bogus, and you shouldn't listen to them. Um, what's happening here is that Jesus did a miracle. There wasn't bread, there wasn't fish, there wasn't enough food, and then there was. Um, Calvin talks about the fact that we need to understand that God is a mystery, and sometimes you need to lean into that. I think this is one of those times. So a couple of things that I want to point out to you. Um, first of all, compassion. Jesus has compassion on the crowds. In verse 11, um, he starts healing and preaching to the kingdom to them. That, was that his plan? No. He wanted to sit down with his disciples and talk about what happened on their recent missions trip. Did he get that opportunity? No, he didn't, because the, the crowds came. But he still healed them. Um, and then again, he has compassion when he feeds them. Now, these crowds that followed Jesus, were most of them people that, like, followed Jesus because he was Jesus? No. Lots of these people followed, followed Jesus around because they liked to watch the fireworks, Right? Sometimes I, I have this problem where I have a hard time with some people at youth group. Um, I, I'm the youth pastor here, so I'll have a kid come to just one specific event, right? And I'll be like, why are you here? Well, you're here because this specific girl is here. You, don't, you didn't come to hear me talk. You didn't come to hear about Jesus. You came because I got this specific pizza that you wanted. Or we're playing this specific game. And on one level, that's okay. But on another level, it, it always chafes me a little bit. I'm like, you know what? You're, are you here for the right reasons? And the answer is, lots of times, no. But the reality is, we still get a chance to, to minister to them, and that's an awesome thing. Notice how Jesus gives food to everyone. He doesn't say, well, if you're a disciple or if you're 
you know, if, if you're here out of faith, then here, have some bread. No, he gives it to everyone, which I would assume includes Pharisees and Sadducees, which if you know anything about the Bible, Jesus constantly is fighting with the Pharisees and Sadducees over and over again. The second thing is that Jesus' authority is established. Jesus shows himself to not just be the God of miracles, but he's the God of physical things and he's willing to be generous with it. If you look at this passage and you look at old, the Old Testament, there are a couple times that Jesus is, this is one of those times that Jesus is directly compared to some of the Old Testament um, great prophets. One of the main ones is Moses. So Moses, over and over again, he's out in the wilderness with the children of Israel. Israel leaves Egypt, right? They get out of slavery. They're wandering on the desert for 40 years. And during that time, over and over again, God provides food. And it's miraculously through, usually Moses has, he does something, but it's God who provides it. But every time he does that, Israel is completely dissatisfied. I mean, they're just the worst complainers and belly acres you could ever imagine. Every single time. And so, you have Moses on one side, where everyone is totally dissatisfied with every time they get food. And then you have Jesus kind of one-upping him, like, yeah, I brought food for everyone, here you go, and know what? Everyone was full, and we had leftovers, and no one was complaining. Okay, So I don't know if Jesus' food tasted better than Moses's, but there was something going on. The other, the other comparison is with Elijah, um, or Elisha. He has this one, it's a very short passage um, in Second Kings, where he turns a bunch of bread into more bread for other people. The interesting thing with that passage is, if you read it compared to all the other passages that are around it, they don't call Elisha, Elisha. They call him the man of God, which is almost foreshadowing to the fact that Jesus is the, the God, right? And so it's kind of this comparison piece, which is interesting. But Jesus establishes his authority as... God in this passage. And the third one is reliance is the answer. So the disciples go out on this short-term missions trip, right? They go into all these towns by themselves. Jesus isn't with them. They're going in his name. They're doing miracles in his name. And they're doing all this cool stuff. They come back. They have this problem. They come to Jesus. Jesus says, figure it out. What did Jesus want him to do? Jesus wanted them to ask him how to do this, or ask him to do this, or ask him for whatever was going to be given to them. Notice how even after, so they're they're given the five loaves and two fish, Jesus just splits them up into groups of 50. Jesus had his plan all along, that it wasn't going to be about finding enough people that wanted to cook for a couple dollars or whatever it was. It was the fact that Jesus was going to be where this food was going to come from. Now, when I read this passage, first time I read it, the first thing that stood out to me was the fact that Jesus was the only place that food was coming from, really. I mean, five loaves and two fish is not enough. I don't know if every day I really think about the fact that Jesus 
is where my needs are met. Because Jesus is the authority. He is the one that is in control of everything. He is the one that is giving us our daily bread. Many times in the Bible, he's referred to as the bread of life. And I don't know if I remember that. Now, some of you today haven't heard of Jesus, haven't, don't know who he is. Um, I would invite you to have a conversation with me. Or if someone brought you, have a conversation with them. When we look around the world, we see lots of things that are going wrong. We see disease, we see storms like we've had, we see violence. And lots of times we, we desire to see that fixed, right? We want to see it made right. Well, Jesus is the answer. It's not necessarily going to be something that we necessarily see today or tomorrow, but he's the answer to that. And I invite you, if you are thirsting and hungering for justice and order, to look to him. We're going to do communion in a second, and I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Um, they're going to do a, a song that specifically talks about the fact that we all need Jesus. Not just today, not tomorrow, but every day, we need Jesus. Jesus didn't satisfy the crowd just physically, right? They were satisfied. But ultimately, he satisfied them spiritually. And that's the way more important one. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together, Lord. I ask that you would bless all of us here. Help us to rely on you as our source of, of everything that we need to be satisfied. So often we rely on ourselves or stuff or whatever it is to kind of self-medicate and fill that hole that is left. We ask that you would help us to rely on you and love you well. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we sing this last song, um, you can remain seated if you'd like, or stand, you can worship as you wish, but this is a song that points to the Jesus that Ian has been talking about. <clears throat> In the morning when I rise, I rise. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise If he
to go into communion. Um, so if you didn't grab one, now's your time to grab one at the back. But um, before we go into actually taking communion, I wanted to give you guys a, a chance to reflect and confess um, any, any sins that you, that you want to confess. As it says in 1 Corinthians, that it is important that you take this in a worthy manner. And that means that you are taking it seriously and you're not taking it in a way that is flippant or just um, a kind of bad cracker and some juice. Um, so we're going, I'll give you a minute to reflect and then we're going to go into communion. on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink... uh, Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we do remember what you did for us, and we thank you for it. We ask your blessing on us. May your peace live strongly in us and help us to love each other well. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.